Mark 2. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast, and they come and say unto him, why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began, as they went, to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have ye never read what David did, when he had need and was unhungered, he and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest, and did eat the showbread, 
which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also to them which were with him? And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. also of the Sabbath. All right, it is quiz time. And it's not really fair because I didn't say that we were going to have a quiz. And the last time I preached on the gospel according to Mark was two weeks ago. Uh, but if you were listen, listening very carefully or maybe you were on the live stream, uh, we have a few questions uh, for all of us. And uh, if you know the answer, uh, just yell it out. Yell it out and uh, someone will say if you're right or wrong. And Who wrote this passage? Who wrote the gospel according to Mark? Who wrote the book? Talk to me. John Mark. He did. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. No, no. I just thought it was such a funny coincidence how we were going to have John Mark speak for us. But John Mark did write this passage. Was John Mark an apostle? Yes or no? No, he was not an apostle. To whom did he write to? Who did he write to? He wrote to the Roman Christians. Now, we understand that Mark focused more on what Jesus did instead of what he said. It focused a lot more on his deeds than his dialogue. And some key words you're going to find throughout the scripture as you read through the gospel according to Mark. Uh, straightway, immediately, forthwith, just right away, because the Romans didn't really have a long attention span, like many of us, right? And so, you know, we're like goldfish. Every, every time something new uh, shows up, uh, we're just attracted by novelty or the next big thing. Uh, the Romans were always on the go. And so they, they just wanted to say, all right, Mark, get to the point. Tell us what exactly happened here. Why should I care about this Jesus? And so really it wasn't just written to Roman Christians, but to the Roman audience in general, uh, knowing to whom he was writing to. Uh, John had a very, or John Mark did, uh, he had a very uh, unique focus there. I've heard a story of a two-year-old uh, maybe going to a photo studio. I don't know if you've ever uh, taken a baby to a photo studio, uh, but you're going to see on the face of that baby all sorts of expressions. Um, I said two years old, but I remember my little brother uh, probably being about one and a half, uh, yeah, maybe just about two years old. Um, you know, uh, the photographer would give him a stuffy, and he'd be all smiling. You know, like he would, ha he would have like a little teddy bear, and uh, you would see the joy in his eyes and on his face. Um, and so uh, there's a, just a range of moods there. You'll see happy contentment. You'll see laughter. Uh, sometimes you'll see pouting. You'll see anger. You'll see tears. And uh, you'll look through the proofs afterwards, and you'll see the first one. It'll show him maybe serenely content, the little baby smiling at the camera. And the second, he's laughing delightedly as the photographer is waving that stuffed animal. And by the next, you know, he has a cute little pout. And he's sad, and he's getting bored. And the fourth one, he's downright angry. And uh, now he's kind of having a defiant, just try to make me smile look on his face. And by the last shot, little 
baby, poor little babies, maybe dissolved into tears, right? And so you see all kinds of photos uh, from that photo uh, studio. So which of these photos, you may ask yourself, shows this little baby's personality? The answer is all of them. And each one caught a different side of his multifaceted personality. And together, they gave us an insightful glimpse into who he is. And so as we consider Matthew, as we consider Mark, as we consider uh, Luke and, and John, really, uh, we see different perspectives of who Jesus was. I'll try to move quickly, but once again, just covering some old ground here. Uh, another question, from whom, besides God, was John Mark receiving writing advice and personal eyewitness accounts from? Peter. Peter, that's right. The Apostle Peter. Now, Mark is a synoptic gospel. What does the word synoptic mean? Synoptic. If you were listening very closely, uh, last uh, time we spoke on Mark chapter 1, you might know the answer, but the word synoptic means seeing together, like synchronized swimming. They're swimming together. Optic, that's to see, so seeing together. And so uh, we know that the other synoptic gospels are Matthew and Luke, and we know that John is not a synoptic gospel because its focus was very uh, different. The four gospels are neither histories of the life of Christ nor biographies. They are portraits of the person and work of the long-promised Messiah, Israel's king and the world's savior. As portraits, they present four different poses of one unique personality. We see him as king in Matthew, the son of David. The gospel according to Matthew was written for the Jews for genealogy's sake to illustrate that Jesus is the son of David and indeed the very uh, Messiah, the coming king. And so we know that Jesus had a rightful claim to the throne. Uh, we find that Luke uh, illustrated Jesus as the son of man. Luke was written to the philosopher Greeks to demonstrate that Jesus is relatable. Uh, Luke focuses on Jesus' humanity and beautifully details the announcements of his incarnation and his birth in Luke chapter 1 and 2. Uh, John is not a synoptic gospel, as I mentioned, uh, but it is very much worth mentioning. Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Godhead, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and with the Spirit. And so John's record is beautiful in revealing Jesus' divinity. But Mark, Mark shows Jesus as the suffering servant. He was busy about his father's business, right? And Mark was written to those Romans to really, uh, to validate that Jesus was the Son of Man and a suffering servant king. There is no genealogy recorded in the gospel according to Mark because really a servant's genealogy is insignificant and not really worth of being recorded. Additionally, the Romans didn't care. Uh, they just said, get it done. And that's what Jesus did, right? And so with all four gospels, as I mentioned, we get this clear understanding. So let's dive into the text and I understand uh, that we don't have too much time. And keeping that in mind, I, I really didn't want to go beyond the story about the man uh, who had the palsy. You know, so interesting. Uh, I, I was invited by a friend uh, to go to Grace Baptist Church on Thursday, last Thursday, for their missions conference. And Dan Dinsmore, of all people, was there. You have to have a lot of respect for missionaries because sometimes they'll have back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back meetings. And so here's a man and his family. They didn't take a break. They went to church seven days a week. And so uh, a lot of respect for Brother Dan 
I appreciate you, brother. And uh, man, that, that, that was encouraging to see. They are still at it. He's, he didn't take off the suit. He's literally just walking, wearing the exact same thing. And, uh, you know, he just, he just preached. And I didn't know what he was preaching on, but he preached on Mark chapter 2. And he preached specifically on this passage with the man of the palsy. And so uh, uh, with the palsy. And uh, so let's see, look together at verse number 1 as we listened just earlier. Inspired scripture reads, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway, there's that word, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about to the uh, door, and he preached the word unto them. And they, co they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And so we see in uh, first, uh, verse number one, uh, Jesus was in the house. Jesus was in the house, and it was noise that he was in the house. I had to read verse four before I make this final point, or uh, th this first point that I kind of want to make here. Uh, when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Jesus was in the house. It was noised abroad. And immediately, people wanted to be with Jesus. And uh, he was just doing his job. He was just doing uh, his ministry. He was come to seek and to save uh, that which was lost. He uh, did not come to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom uh, for many. There were so many people. Uh, in verse 4, uh, we know the law of first mention. Anytime you see the, uh, the first time a word is mentioned in the Bible, sometimes you want to take, uh, take a note. Uh, they couldn't come nigh to him for the press. I think Jesus had some paparazzi, and the press, they were all there surrounding him. It was noise. Jesus in the house. <laughs> Raise the roof. Push the wall, stir the hummus. I don't know, not really. But, you know, uh, it was noise that he was in the house. Right. And the whole block knew. Charles Spurgeon once said, faith hath many inventions. Faith hath many inventions. During COVID-19, we were really blessed to find ways to meet when it was difficult. And I, I, I witnessed the, the faith of these friends they couldn't come nigh to him because of the paparazzi, the press, right? And you know what they did? They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. I find this so interesting because we read this passage, and we're churched, and we've seen it and read it a billion times. We might have even seen the flannel graph on felt, or we, we've seen it on TV or something, right? And so we're, we're desensitized. But if someone started banging on the roof, and you saw the dust falling right in the middle of the auditorium, right where my dad is sitting, and it was just, dust was getting all over his shirt. It would be a great distraction to the sermon. And, and Jesus was preaching his message, and here's dust falling from uh, some corner of the house, and everyone was no longer paying attention to what was being said. And wouldn't you know it? A hole opens up in the roof, and the, the, the sun starts to uh, beam down on some people, and they're covering their eyes, and this bed, of all things, lowered through 
the roof. They uncovered the roof. They had broken it up and they laid down the bed uh, wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. And when he did, that activated the, the, the work and the power uh, to, to start intervening and working uh, immediately. And, and, and I, I believe that uh, right here in verse number five, the sick of the palsy, this individual, he believed God enough. I don't know who started it, which friend said, hey, we need to get you to Jesus by any means necessary. Maybe it was the, the man who was sick of the palsy. He said, I need to get to Jesus. Somebody carry me over to Jesus. It could have been his idea, but we find here, Jesus speaks to this man first. He doesn't talk to his friends. He talks to uh, the sick of the palsy, and he says right away, he says, son, for your faith, for placing your dependence wholly, solely, and completely on me, thy sins be forgiven thee. The next part is very interesting because if Jesus were not God, he could not forgive sins. And the Pharisees knew. There were certain of the scribes sitting there, verse 6, and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. Jesus knew what these men were thinking. I find it really uh, great and uh, helpful to me and also convicting. Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned within themselves. Many times we make reasons for not acting out in faith and not placing our faith in Jesus when it's very, when it's very clear and very evident. God has proved himself over and over and over again. Red Sea moment after Red Sea moment. He'll part the seas and then, uh, you know, uh, a, a, right after, you know, those 10 plagues that Israel went through, there'll be moments like that in our lives. And if we don't repeat to ourselves, how God has worked in the past, we, will, we won't be able to uh, uh, have this dynamic faith uh, that the sick of the palsy in this situation had. The Pharisees, they had faith in themselves. They had trust and reliance, dependence on themselves. And they didn't want Jesus to rule and to reign, to have power. And th they, they, they kind of had this idea in their hearts that, uh, if Jesus gets too much popularity, he's going to unseat us from our uh, uh, social uh, uh, status ladder, and we don't want that. And so they, they, they already had some, uh, some bias, and uh, they couldn't put aside that, uh, that, 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 that feeling. But it was very obvious through the miracles and through Jesus' words and through his preaching that he was who he said he was. Jesus was either liar, he was either lunatic, or he was very Lord. He was who he said he was. Because no one could make the claims that Jesus did. He couldn't have said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. If anyone said that nowadays, you'd look at him like he's crazy. He, he's either taken 
he, had, he hadn't taken his pills that day or he had a God complex. But Jesus could say that because he was and is God. Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. See that word immediately in verse 12 again? <laughs> he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all in so much. They were all amazed, glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. We never saw it like this before. Hey, I believe that God is still able to physically heal the sick. But more than that, and more, more, more and really greater than that, he, he's able to lift up the spiritually sick. The spiritually sick. And many times, I, I've said this before, you know, we'll, we'll have our prayer page and we'll pray for the health requests and we should. But why are we so concerned with keeping the saved here on earth with us? And when you have that entire section labeled the harvest field and, you know, we're praying the saints out of heaven instead of taking the lost out of hell. C.T. Studd said, hey, I'm going to set up a rescue shop right by the gates of hell, and I want to rescue people, and I want to uh, uh, take them to the Lord and point them to Christ, and uh, C.T. Studd had the right idea. You know, that reminds me, he was a missionary. He, he, he was pretty much the LeBron James of that era, if you will. A cricket was big back in the 1800s. He was popular. He was well-liked. He was handsome. He was one of the smartest people in his university, very well-known, Cambridge. And he, he, he was just some of the best of the best. But you know what happened? Uh, God impressed upon his heart, you need to give your wealth to missions, uh, to the foreign field, to, to, to people who are working uh, for the Lord, to pastors, to, to teams around the world who are telling other people about Jesus. And then above that, C.T. Studd gave his life, only one life, will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And these are the almost, you could say, infamous words of C.T. Studd that have really permeated our churches, right? Uh, he's a, whenever missions are brought up, we're, we're, we're talking about um, how God worked uh, through uh, Brother C.T. Studd's life. And, uh, you know, uh, as I examine the lives of those who've gone on before, and we praise the Lord for what he's done in the past, we can say, hey, we never saw it on this fashion. We never saw it like this before. I really believe that we need to have a heart for missions, for the gospel, for the lost. You know, why wait for a call when you have a command? He didn't call you one time. He called you in Matthew. He called you in Mark. He called you in Luke. He called you in John. He even really called you in Acts. You shall, receive, you shall be witnesses unto me. And uh, he said, uh, uh, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He said, all power is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he does promise to be with us Amen. the whole way. All power, that comforts me, because we're not going alone. We have his power. It starts always with the power of God. All, all things, which will be thorough, teach the whole counsel of God. And to, we're to take this truth to all nations, because all must hear, all must know. And he's with us all way. And may we be able to say, like the multitudes, hey, we never saw it like this. Amen. 
We never uh, saw it on this fashion. The story goes on. He went forth again by the seaside. All the multitude resorted unto him. They kept following Jesus. And he saw Levi, he saw Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said to him, hey, follow me. And immediately Matthew, Matthew followed Jesus too. And Jesus sat at meat in his house. Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus. And the publicans, they were loaded to the gills. They were the IRS. They were the CRA of the day, but more corrupt, more, more corrupt than you could imagine. And they, they had four times the wealth of many of the citizens of the general populace. And uh, there they were, the outcasts of society, because they had betrayed their culture by working for the Roman Empire. And here Jesus is sitting with the publicans and sinners. I think the Bible is you, you censoring a little bit here, I guess, right? Sinners, they don't tell us what kind of sinners these people were. Today, we'd probably say these are the drug dealers. These are uh, the ladies of the street. These are the people that no, no one else would, the vile refuse of society, you would say, the dregs, the bottom of the barrel. And here, here Jesus is with those who are abandoned by the rest of society, if you will. And there's Peter, that loudmouth, looking around the house saying, Jesus, you sure we should be here? I'd rather be somewhere else. Andrew, come on, let's go. I'm going to stand near the door. And Jesus says, no, no, you're sitting right beside me. We're going to sit and eat here with publicans <laughs> and with sinners. And Matthew was now part of the team. And, and the scribes and the Pharisees, those same people, they said unto his disciples, how is he that how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I can't help but be reminded of Luke chapter number 15, where you hear the story of the lost coin and the lost sheep and finally the lost son. And that son he, he, he started off sick of home, and then he was homesick, and then finally he was home. I'm grateful that God can bring the prodigal son back home. And it, it says in verse 17, I came not to call the righteous. I came to draw men back to myself, but sinners to repentance. And it goes on and on in that passage, and you're going to find a recurring theme as you study the gospel records that the Pharisees were always on Jesus, uh, just hot on his tail, always trying to get him into trouble and uh, always trying to condemn him. And Jesus saved his greatest indictment for the religious crowd to the people who thought they were holy, to the people who thought they were better than everybody else. And we ought never to have that sort of spirit, never to have that sort of attitude. And I, I, I really don't have time to delve into the rest of the passage, and a Lord willing, we'll be able to study a little bit more of this in the days ahead. But my challenge to all of us is to, hey, have a heart for the things that God has a heart for. We don't want to break his law. We don't want to break his heart. And don't be like a Pharisee, where you're constantly trying to figure out what's wrong and correct it. There's a difference between helping and hindering. You know, any old fool can complain. Instead of cursing the darkness, let's light a candle for our Savior. Amen. 